You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I've got Sarah Gregg with me all the way from Taiwan. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. I'm really good. And I'm so happy to be here on Max's Island with you. Sarah, our guests on Max's Island have a chance to talk to our listeners around about that time when they did something for themselves, when they decided to really challenge themselves in life or life change for them dramatically have you got a time in your life when that's happened to you I do have a time in my life when that happened to me um not that long ago in 2016 um if you kind of like jump with me in the time machine and we'll all go back there together I guess if you were to arrive at my house and look at my life on the outside it would seem like everything was fine you know, I had a, a really good job and um, I had a house, a car. We recently got married. We were married for about a year and a half at that stage and everything looked good. But my inner world, like how I felt about my life was in tatters, really. It was crumbling at the, pe- at, at the seams um, and I just didn't know what I wanted. I felt really unhappy and unfulfilled, lost, a little bit angry, if I'm being completely honest about life, you know, because I felt like I had followed the rules. I had gone to school, got the education, got the good job, worked my way up the career ladder, like ticked a lot of those boxes. And yet, I was missing that reward of happiness and fulfillment. And that was the point when everything changed. And did that realisation come to you suddenly or was it a gradual evolution of thought that at one point in time you realised you were able to put it all together? That's a really great question. Um, I think I've heard it said before, you know, the universe kind of whispers to you and then if you ignore the whispers, they turn into a roar. And I feel like that was the case for me, that there were things that I chose not to notice because they were uncomfortable at the time. 
you know, I told myself that everything was fine, that I just needed to be more grateful that this is how life was. And I do often wonder that if I had have maybe lent into that discomfort, like would have take would have that taken me down a different path? Um, but the reality was for me, it was that sudden roar um, that came and it was um, a dramatic decision um, in a lot of ways, but the only one that I felt that we could take um, and the change happened quite quickly. How did you build up the strength to verbalise that to your new husband and to others in your life? Yeah, so my I'm very fortunate in that um, I've been with my husband for a long time. So we met at university and um, we've been together for 17 years now. And then we've got a very open and kind of like safe relationship. Um, but I was still really nervous. You know, we we had talked about getting married, but we didn't really talk about what was going to happen after that. Um, and I remember we went away on holiday and it was our first holiday together in five years. Um, and we both loved to travel. And it had taken us that long to do it because we kept on saying yes to other people's priorities, you know, yes to weekends away with friends, yes to things with family and kind of putting ourselves at the bottom of the list. And we were in Thailand and just all of those feelings kind of came flooding back you know the contrast of this is what I want and this what is what feels good to me like traveling seeing the world exploring like this lights me up and it's in such contrast to how I feel at home I remember just like nervously sitting on the beach and saying I don't really think that I'm happy and if this is what Adelton is and what life looks like for the next you know 40 plus years all being well I don't really know if that excites me and that kind of led to like a really nice conversation um over a few glasses of wine where we gradually obviously got a bit more braver and ambitious <laughs> which turned into well if it doesn't make us happy what if we just got rid of it all and what if we you know, sold the house and maybe downsized and went part-time in our jobs. And then that evolved to, well, what if we just sold everything? Sold the house, quit our jobs, sold all our possessions and just went away. And it started as a bit of a joke, really, if I'm honest, but that joke very quickly turned into a reality. You get back to Ireland after making this decision over a, a few glasses of wine. It obviously still stuck with you both when you got home and then you had to tell everybody else in your life. How did they react? Yeah, they reacted with a deathly awkward silence. (laughs) (laughs) An uncomfortable, uh, okay. Um, So our timing probably wasn't great. We, We went on that trip, I think, in the like the August, we really sat on it ourselves for a long time. We didn't tell anybody that this is what we were thinking. We wanted to make sure it was the right decision for us. By the December, we were like, yeah, this is the right call. We were actually living in the UK at the time. um, And we flew back to Ireland and it was over Christmas dinner. I think just in our excitement that this was definitely the right decision, we just said, we've got news, like we're going to sell everything and go away. And it was just like 
tumbleweed over the Christmas dinner like no one spoke no one knew what to say <laughs> and it was really awkward I, I really feel in that moment we became like an instant worry stroke disappointment um to our our family and even friends you know our friends were probably a bit more vocal with their concerns however no one no one held us back you know, I mean, I think they had their own worries and I'm, I feel like they kept them largely to themselves, but ultimately, you know, they didn't say anything that really deterred us. And I'm grateful for that because it, it is a shock. And I think everyone just wants the best for you in life. And when you say, you know, you're going to quit it, quit everything and leave it all behind, with not really much of a plan. Um, it's a lot for people to take in. I think the social norms are if you're 17, 18, doing a gap year or dropping, yeah. out, of, dropping out of uni for a year mid-course, mid, uh, it's sort of accepted that, okay, that's fine. You'll go and clear the head and you'll be back into it. But to do it many years into yeah, a career, into two yeah. successful careers uh, with a house and all of those other, as you said, trappings of a stereotypical life that represents success yeah and you were probably judged by that success and then so the challenge was for everybody else that potentially you were throwing that away yeah yeah and it was equal parts exciting and scary for us because it was a real risk you know and it was this feeling of it feels right in my gut but logically it makes no sense at all and I can't describe that feeling to someone, you know, it's more of a feeling than it is a thing. So when people would say, how do you know you're making the right decision? It's like, I don't, but I just feel that it's right. And I, I, I can't explain that. Um, and that's hard for people to get their head around. Um, but I think sometimes, especially in those moments when you kind of maybe you know your foundations are crumbling around you and you feel like you're at a a, a low point or a rock bottom or whatever you want to describe it sometimes there kind of is no other choice like you just it, it doesn't even require courage it just requires faith that there has to be something on the other side of it Sarah on Max's Island our guests often talk about their feelings and that's really important for our listeners to understand what was happening. So the fact that you had this feeling in your gut, I think we've all had that at times to do various things in life, but to throw it all in, and I use that term loosely, not really throwing it in, but um, cashing up and, and moving on to something, and you weren't sure exactly what that was, is uh, an incredible decision. And it is a feeling that um, I'm not sure all of us would understand. But anyway, you've, you've come to the conclusion, you've told everybody, I guess that when you've told everybody, there's a sense of fulfillment that I need to actually go through with this promise. What happened then and how quickly did it happen before you sold everything? Yeah, so it happened really quickly after that point. We got back um, to the UK in the January and... Um, within the first kind of two weeks of being back, we contacted estate agents and um, we put the house on the market. 
um and it sold within it sold within 24 hours it, it almost felt like it's that quote from the alchemist you know it feels like the universe is conspiring to help you and I think at that stage you know I mean my background's in psychology and science but you know at that stage I just really wanted a sign that I was doing the right thing and <laughs> I remember the the estate agent um coming to the house and then um, we had like this row of travel books on the bookshelf and we told him our story and he was like, this is so amazing. And I'm going to do like a really good deal on the commission. And I really want this to work out for you. And um, he was like, you should just include the furniture in the house sale. And he's like, I think I have the perfect person for it. And the next day we got a phone call and she came to view the house. And not only did she buy the house, but she bought most of the furniture in it as well which was just like like incredible it just felt like a divine intervention that was in the January and we headed off uh, in May so yeah we we got on the plane on the on the 4th of May Star Wars day <laughs> not not for any particular reason but yeah it was May the 4th and um, we got on a plane to Malaysia and honestly I think that's when reality really started to hit that we'd that we'd done it and we had no clue what was going to come next, no sense of purpose. Um, it really was just like turning the next kind of chapter in life. And there's there's a completely blank page, which is every part exhilarating because everything and nothing is a possibility. But it's also terrifying, you know, to, to not really know your purpose, to not know what you want in life, to not really know who you are as well. Like I felt like I'd lost so much of myself. It was a real period of um of like rebuilding and figuring stuff out. And why Malaysia? Why Malaysia? We'd been there before. We we backpacked um after we finished university and we fell in love with a particular island in Malaysia called the Pulacapas, and it was our happy place. So we wanted to go back there. It's a little island. There's no cars. There's not really much of anything there. And it just feels like you're away from, from reality. So we, we had it back there. Okay. So you're in Malaysia at your perfect place. Yeah. Can I ask, are you still there? No, 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 we're not there. We did a few weeks um, there and then we headed off to Bali was our next stop. Um, we spent a couple of months there. Um, and along the way, we were just so open um, to the experience that we kind of met people that were, you know, they weren't. I don't think they'll ever realize the impact that they had on our lives through the little conversations that they shared with us. You know, one guy that we met um, on the island of Malaysia, you know, he said, oh, if you want to run like a business online, you need to go to Chiang Mai. You know, that's kind of where a lot of digital nomads kind of hang out. Um, and so we went to Bali. We didn't really didn't really enjoy it there, if I'm being like totally honest. I mean, it's beautiful and it's amazing, but it, it just wasn't for us for different reasons. Um, and so we remembered this conversation. We had it up to Chiang Mai and that just felt like we threw ourselves into this incredible community of like-minded people who were trying to live life on their terms and very differently and were building a life around 
how did they work and travel and do more of the things that they loved and I think that's where things really started to shift and change and did you set up a business there did you start reinventing your life yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I did a lot of different things before I started my business. I had a lot of different ventures. I thought I wanted to be a travel blogger. And so I did a little bit of that for a while. I did some Instagram stuff. I wrote CVs. I just tried everything because I didn't know what I wanted. And then um, how I ended up setting up the business is quite unexpected in that I went to this, um, I went to this workshop in Chiang Mai. And the lady hosted it. Um, yeah, her methods were definitely not based on science and they really tapped into the vulnerability of some people in the room. And it really angered me that here was this kind of like group of women feeling quite lost, feeling a little bit vulnerable and kind of being sold something that would never work, ever work. Um, and... I got so angry on the way home, like so angry. And I couldn't get it out of my head. Like, how could someone do this? How could someone take advantage of people? And I came back and I, I told Chris about it, uh, my husband, Chris. And he was like, well, you know, I guess like if you're not going to be part of that world, you know, it, it creates space for other people to be part of it. You know, like if you want to see a change in, the self-help industry and how it's run like you need to be part of it and um, my background is in psychology neurolinguistic programming and coaching I've done it for over 10 years in a professional capacity mainly as a business coach um, and at stage I was like yeah okay like you know I do feel passionate about this and um, I don't want to I don't want to instantly work with people because I feel a little bit broken myself and I don't feel like that's ethical. Um, but what I will do is I started up a little Instagram account called The Power to Reinvent in the November. Um, and I just started to share things that were meaningful for me and studies and research and tips that helped me along my journey. And from that then, The Power to Reinvent was, was born and... And I felt alive, like completely alive, passionate about what I did. It didn't feel like work back then. And it still doesn't feel like work now. Like I sometimes can't believe that people pay me to do things. Because it's like, I would just do it for free because I I love it. Like I, I live and breathe it. I would do it. I would just do it because I love it. And I think that's the key shift. And it was the contrast from before, before I did things because I thought it would make other people love me as opposed to doing it because I love to do it for me. Did you make money straight away? So was it a immediate no. success? It definitely wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. Um, I made a little bit of money. I ran some workshops in Thailand Um yeah no it was really not like it was stop and start and I was finding my way and um, I didn't oh it was messy it was really messy at the start um and it, money came in in drips and drabs but not enough to sustain us um we ended up leaving um Thailand we headed uh, back to Europe and we lived in Portugal for 
a little bit and then we um, headed from Portugal over to Bulgaria and it was really in Bulgaria that we yeah we were about I'd say two months away from kind of saying okay like maybe this is the thing that isn't going to work out and it's been fun and we've kind of like found our passions but you know it's not it's not sustainable like it's not economically viable to continue at this rate without really digging into our savings and putting putting ourselves in a position that we really don't want to be in two months before the money's running out pretty much yeah two months before so it really is like a, a cliff edge you know you just you don't know and every part of me was like is the universe just playing like a weird trick on me because every bone in my body I've never been so sure of something that that, that quitting everything and, and leaving and going on this journey was the best decision that I've ever made. And now kind of in Bulgaria, like hanging on by our fingertips, it's like, this could really, I don't know what direction this is going in. But I think in that moment, along with a lot of tears and dark nights of the soul and questioning everything, including myself, persistence and consistency was the key and I was like I'm not giving up until the end and I'm going to keep on showing up I'm going to keep on doing what I love because I love to do it and you know what if nothing comes of it that's fine and so kind of fast forward then to just a couple of weeks later um I was we were back home in Belfast for um, a short visit my journal was on the bed I had nothing to post on Instagram that day and I walked past it and I had this little fleeting thought like so quick that went oh yeah you should just take a photo of that journal and upload it and the journal was a journal system that I had developed it was um, a journal system based on the psychology of flow which is our ideal state of happiness where we feel our best and perform our best and I've been really kind of utilizing that psychology in my own life to get in alignment and live life on my terms and so I took these awful photos I mean I encourage anyone like to go on the Instagram profile and find this post because it it's really not impressive it's like two photos of my journal and then a caption underneath that describes the journal system for flow and what it does and how it works and I put it out there just thinking hope it might help someone thought nothing of it and the next day I had an email from an editor in New York who said hi Sarah I've been following you for a while I read blog side note she was probably one of about 63 60 to 80 people who read my blog at the time I had like a tiny audience and she was like, I love your work. I love what you do. Um, and I think that this post that you put on about the journal system is a book. Would you be interested in pitching for a book deal? And that is kind of the next kind of like turning point in the story where everything really changed in a big, 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 hugely, wildly unexpected way. Sarah's dream of a new life has now been sustained by her unexpected first book deal. On the next episode of Max's Island, we'll learn how this moment in time has shaped her future forever.
short-term escape, five weeks on the bibbling track. Go it alone, no one to blame if he finished or fell by the way. sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phone, and 